Welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you for joining us once again this week. It's so great to have you guys back. Jumping in right away here just with a shout out to my D group members, uh, Dan, Adam, and Jonathan. I just had an amazing uh, weekend with them at our friend Andrew's wedding here. So grateful for that time. It was great seeing old friends from college. I'm sure many of you uh, can relate to uh, seeing friends uh, from, from a long past, if you will. And I'm so, so great to, to uh, have people who have been on the podcast to actually uh, meet them again after not seeing a, a few of them in several years. Man, it's fun to see old friends. Uh, but uh, anyway, thank you very much uh, for listening today. Thank you for tuning back in to our, our little show here. So grateful for your listenership, as I've said many, many times before, but at the risk of uh, sounding dis- disingenuous, for me personally, it's the reason why I do it, is I know that there are a devoted set of listeners, and I don't do it to get bigger numbers. I'm doing it for you all, so thank you. Continue to follow us, send us feedback, questions, comments, concerns to our email, wsnspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you very much uh, for uh, the feedback that I've gotten in person, but also we can do it via email as well if you don't uh, have my number or or what have you. Uh, continue to follow our YouTube channel, uh, our SoundCloud account, which is where we're hosted. Thank you to them and wherever you get your podcasts. So excellent. I hope uh, many of you enjoy the Masterpiece Theater that's on PBS and wherever your local station number is. Ours is uh, W. Uh, K-A-R here and channel 23 growing up uh, here in Jackson, Michigan. And I, I I love the British classics and Masterpiece Theater. I made fun of my parents and especially my dad for liking Downton Abbey. And then I watched it. And because, you know, my, my frontal cortex had fully developed at, at that time where it wasn't prior, I found myself thoroughly enjoying the show. It, it is it's probably my favorite show. I mean, my favorite show of all time is The West Wing, but The West Wing has four good seasons, not seven good seasons. And the, you know, four out of seven is not bad. Four of them are like the best TV ever made. But the Downton Abbey series is good from start to finish. So it's like, ah, it's got to edge it. It's got to edge it out in my mind a little bit. But um, I also was a fan of Victoria. I started Victoria with my friends. And, you know, it's it, it's definitely not as good, but there are some moments in it that are just phenomenal and in season two there is a depiction of the Irish potato famine and the clergyman Robert Trail who um, is the Irish clergyman who chose to stay you know as depicted on screen it's kind of you know muddy what happens historically but from a art standpoint his family moved back uh, away to escape the famine and the disease and he stayed and opened up his his house, his parish, uh, for the for the sick, and then he died uh, from uh, from fever, from the fever, and so it's it's just one of those things that um, you know it's it's interesting to to say that you know if he died from typhus fever, did he did his congregation really bury him as depicted on screen? Did did he choose to live with the sick and the the needy and the poor and the diseased uh, as a way of helping them? You know, it, it certainly, at least, even if it's somewhat fictionalized, it depicts something, it, it just moved me to tears. And it's a reminder, in a way, of, obviously, Jesus' sacrifice for humanity, but it, but I was reminded of that particular 
depicted story on screen after preaching and reading back through Mark chapter 2. Starting at verse 14 here, it's, this is when Levi, or Matthew, was called. He says, as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. And the scribes of the Pharisees saw that, that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors. They said to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to him, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This scene is depicted in season one of The Chosen, which is very powerful. It's a short scene, but they do a good job of going through scripture saying this is, you know, chronologically what happened in Jesus's life. And I, I brought all this up because sometimes your, your congregants are, are a lot smarter than you as a pastor. They're, they're smarter than you and they're going to be wiser than you collectively. And a lot of them just individually are that way anyway, right? Well, for me, this is just something that I I really wanted to just touch on, but also want to honor their request. Because about a year ago, they they suggested some some topics of sermons that, that they would like to see uh, handled and, and at least covered. And with that, I, I had found myself um, seeing this topic of how do you live with people? How do you have influence as a Christian on people without giving into the sin? Basically, can you lay down with dogs and not get fleas? That's the question. Can you be with people and not condone their behavior, but be the person of Christ to them? Picture this like a guardian angel. Does a, does a guardian angel, as we've depicted it in film, TV, and books, like just, just bear with me here. I'm not talking about reality, but we always talk about the, the, the good and bad angel on your shoulders. The one thing that's consistent in those in those fictional, you know, stories is that they're always there, right? And if we understand, if we truly, truly understand that what, what Paul says in Romans 8, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears today, nor, you know, what what is the what is what's the word I gotta I gotta look this up I'm I'm terrible at, at rem remembering all this. Um, it says neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither our fears today nor our worries about tomorrow not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Jesus went to death for us. And people, we believe, like the worst of the worst, the murderers, the, the, um, the, the rapists, the molesters who are on death row, we believe God's grace is so prominent that if they reach out in true repentance and forgiveness, they're not going to escape the worldly consequences of their behavior, but they can still seek forgiveness. We don't, as Christians, we don't believe that, no, nope, sorry, uh, nope, you, your, your stuff was too ugly, right? No, we, we don't believe that. If it's a true turn, it, it can't be just for show, right? God judges the heart. He knows the motives, 
right? So th th these are things that I, I think about from time to time. And that, that, again, that gives a lot of atheist fuel for like injustice. Like you can just live a life full of debauchery and then at the end just turn to Jesus. Well, I think he knows the motive there. I'd be careful wagering that, right? Well, the thing for me is that we as Christians, people outside the ministry as a career, find themselves surrounded by non-Christians more on the day-to-day -day than most pastors do. Now, pastors counsel and are called and are around non-Christians a lot. But who do they work with? You know, people have an office and you preach. You're usually around people that have your same values and then you're called into the world, so to speak. Whereas the congregation, the sheep are out inter intermixing with Christians all the time. And my question is, is that if you have to ask the question, like, how do I do that? Well, I think you're already doing it. I think you're already living with people who are not corrupting you, but Maybe you're challenged. Maybe the person who asked, who suggested this topic in the first place was finding it difficult to even be around people who, in their own way, might put them off, right? So in my old workplace, before the job with my boss, Mike, at, at the manufacturing firm, I worked in insurance. And that this at the service center and there was a lot of people who are not christians didn't share my values but i'd go out with them after on a friday night um they'd go to the bar and i just go and just have water and i would just sit there and you know if i had to be a designated driver i would be and my question is is like wouldn't god be there too and the, in the most awful places god is still there with the victims and the or, or the perpetrators he still reaches his hand out. Now, there's certainly healthy boundaries when you have to protect yourself, protect people. I, I get that. But again, I must ask, where is God in this decision-making? Where is he when we are contemplating all these things, right? Those, those are my questions. Those are my genuine questions because I, I don't know the answers to them. But I, I do know that if you don't think you have the strength, well, that's good because you, you don't. But my encouragement for if you're struggling because you're being discouraged by your coworkers or, or maybe God's given you a heart for a person and they are just, they don't talk the way, they don't use the same language, they don't have the same habits, desires, or values that you do. Well, just a reminder, that's how God interacts with us. Has your heart ever been conflicted about him? Couldn't he say the same exact things about us? So as we are loved by God, we ought to love others. And that love, a lot of times, requires action. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it just means a constancy, right? But sometimes it's a willingness to go and lie down with people. And in certain circumstances, in acts of, uh, of sheer uh, divine grace and, and love, he does call us to truly give up our right to life to serve those who are in need. I'd encourage you to go and watch uh, that episode. It's season two, uh, episode six of Victoria. It's on uh, Amazon Prime Video. Um, the last well, 15 minutes of that episode just bring tears to my eyes.
even if it's not historically true as an art form, what it conveys though is a clergyman who is willing to die with his people because that's what he was called to do. Are we willing to do the same? Those are just some thoughts. May God bless you. May God keep you.